Well, guys, tonight we have a guest speaker, so would you join me in giving a big Thrive welcome to Mr. Terry Fields. Good evening, gang. They didn't clap for me this morning. I'd rather hang out with y'all. Let me uh, just get a place to sit up here. I'm going to take just a few minutes tonight, and you're going to be hearing more from some couples and individuals. Uh, I recognize a few people who might be here tonight that are on this video. A few weeks ago, uh, Blake and Pete and some others sat down with some special people in the church because this thing called Connections Continue is going to get big. And this morning, uh, in both services, I really was amazed at the positive response, and uh, I'm glad to hear that maybe some lives were changed. Because, have you noticed, we live today in a pretty selfish society, a selfish age. Uh, Americans love three people more than anybody else, me, myself, and, yeah. I mean, we think about ourselves. I, I've got a friend, and I'm convinced he could strut sitting down. He's so full of himself. Uh, I, I told him one time, I said, man, I bet you get up every morning, look in the mirror, and start singing How Great Thou Art. I mean, that, that just, that's just the way some people are. We're conditioned that way. Uh, a lot of you don't know me. My name is Terry Fields, and uh, I pastored a church not far from here for a long time. Got to know Pastor Todd that way, and got to know this great staff uh, over the last few years. And uh, God opened up a door for me to move to Nashville, Tennessee, and start the Fields Group, which is just a ministry of consulting with churches and helping them raise dollars for big projects. And, you know, I go into some great churches, but in every church there's people that I'm convinced they're just thinking about what's in it for me. And you guys have done a great job of thinking outside the boundaries, outside the lines. You always make new people feel welcome. And I, I know that you don't do this as a matter of habit, but we all fall into this by accident. We think of ourselves first. Connections Continue really is about the next three years thinking outside of yourself. And I want to talk to you tonight about a simple principle, a principle that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. I've been there three times, just along the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful setting. And I can just picture when Jesus stood there, actually he would have been at the bottom of the mount. We, don't get, we get this idea that he was standing up on top of a mountain when he delivered this, the greatest sermon ever. He was probably at the bottom because the acoustics are incredible. And he could just speak with a common, ordinary voice but it would have been projected all over that hillside. But these verses, I want you to listen to them. You've heard them before. He said that day, you have heard it said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Now that's an Old Testament phrase. The idea is, you have heard from a young child that the way you live this life is, you do something to me, I'm going to do something to you. You poke me in the eye, I'll poke you in your eye. You punch me in the face, I lose a tooth, I'm going to punch you, I'm going to lose your tooth. Uh, and uh, that's the way a lot of people think. That's just common living. I'm going to get even, I'm going to do to you what you did to me, I'm going to, I'm going to even the score. But you know what Jesus realized, and we all ought to realize, that you live like that, there's going to be a lot of blind, toothless people running around. He said, but I say to you, do not return evil for evil. If someone wants to 
resist the evil person. If they slap you on one cheek, you turn the other cheek. Do you know that's the most known phrase that Jesus ever said around the world? Even pagans, non-believers, other religions say, we know Jesus was the one who said, turn the other cheek. He said, if they steal something from you, give them something else. And then he said, this is a great verse in verse number 41. He said, if anyone forces you to go one mile, you go with them two miles. Now let me just stop right there. That's an amazing thing if you know what Roman culture was at the time. See, the Romans in that day had learned from the ancient Persians that the best way to conquer your enemy was not to kill them, but to enslave them. And you could literally take over their nation and their assets and their resources. You could prosper more if you simply enslaved them. And so that's the Roman Empire of Jesus' day. They had one by one gobbled up every culture, every language, every people group, the great Roman Empire. But they had a law. If you were enslaved, if you were captured, if you were in occupied territory, if a Roman soldier came through your town, you must carry his backpack. Historians tell us that maybe 40 to 80 pounds was worn on a Roman soldier's backpack everywhere he went. And of course, they traveled mostly by foot. So a Roman soldier would many times travel the countryside going from one slave to the next, getting them to carry his heavy backpack. So can't you imagine a Jewish farmer is out there in the field and all of a sudden he looks over the horizon and he sees this Roman soldier coming by and he knows what's coming. He knows he's going to have to stop his work and go at least a mile carrying that heavy backpack. And when Jesus said, if a man forces you to go one mile, you go with him too. Do you think that got their attention? See, Jesus always got people's attention. I imagine when he said that, all the deacons in the church woke up. I imagine all the teenagers stopped passing notes and stopped with their iPads and iPhones. I'll I, I bet you, I mean, you could have heard a pin drop on that hillside that day when he said, if he makes you go one mile, you go with him two miles. And gang, that's really what this campaign, this effort to help retire debt and free up more dollars for ministry is all about. It's going the extra mile. A lot of people give some. Some give a lot. But the theme of this campaign is not equal giving. Equal sacrifice is what we're all about. I want to encourage you to consider and begin praying now because in two weeks you'll have the chance to turn in a commitment card that will be totaled with the entire church family so that we'll know what will happen in the next three years. And you'll get answers to a lot of questions. If you have questions tonight, I'll be hanging around. But folks, it all goes back to this. This isn't a fundraiser. This is a faith raiser. And I've seen this happen 31 times in my ministry. I've been able to help consult with churches six times as a pastor. We entered into these big projects. Usually it's to build a building. In this case, it's to pay for a building that's already built that wonderful atrium that uh, you guys hung out in tonight. Y'all are having too much fellowship, too much fun. I was told you don't always have fun at church, but you guys had a lot of it. And you have a place to do that. You have a place to invite your friends. And it wasn't always that way. When I was here five years ago, before I met most of you, 
there was no space to hang out in fellowship. You know, my spiritual gift is hanging out. That's just what I do. That's all I know how to do. I, I hang out. And you guys hang out. But it takes some people to go before you and lay a foundation of sacrifice. Here's the simple definition of sacrifice. You ready? It's giving up something you love for someone you love more. If you've ever had a child go off to college, you, you, you suffer from maltuition. And you know what it's like to give up something you love for someone you love more. For some of you, when you get married, dad is going to put your hand in the hand of some, you know, toe-headed idiot that he's going to try to learn to like. But he's not going to be good enough for you. And he's going to pay an enormous amount of money to give you away. But he's giving up something he loves for someone he loves more. Nothing great in life happens without sacrifice. Listen, there is no success without sacrifice. You are not going to graduate if you're not willing to sacrifice some fun on weekends and time to study. You're not going to build a great business if you're not willing to work a little more than just eight hours a day. You're not going to have a great family if you're not willing to sacrifice some friends along the way you're not going to have a great church if you're not willing to make sacrifices and if you're enjoying success and you didn't sacrifice guess what somebody sacrificed for you they came ahead we're standing on the shoulders folks of people we may never know people who sacrificed so that this great building could be built people who sacrificed so that the lights can come on uh, so that the microphones can malfunction uh, you know, we, we, we stand on the shoulders of people who pay the price. There are people right now taking care of children so that we can enjoy this environment of worship. It's amazing to look around church and realize how much sacrifice really happens day in and day out. Well, I would encourage you to consider how you can lead the way and go the second mile. Not just one mile, but go two miles. Again, the second mile is the smile mile is what I call it. You know why? Because in the second mile, you can't do it if you have a bad attitude. That's why some churches are grouchy. Some Christians are grouchy. You know why? Because they're doing what they do out of duty and not out of love. They're like that farmer, that Jewish farmer who, when the Roman soldier comes by, he picks up the pack and he carries it a long way, but he sits it down. They say that every Jew in Roman culture had a mile marker in every direction around his house so that if he had to carry a backpack for a Roman soldier, he could carry it one mile. He would stick with the letter of the law and not one step further, not one yard further. He was going to stop where the law required. And so when Jesus said, hey, if he wants you to go one mile, go with him too. So again, I encourage you to start thinking in the second mile. Live in the second mile. Don't ask the question, um, hey, Prof, what do I have to do to pass the test? Um, what do I have to do to um, uh, qualify for acceptance into the club? What, uh, what am I going to have to do uh, to just get by? No, it's about so much more than that. Live in the smile mile. Live in that spirit of, I'm not going to do the least I can do and get by. You know, a lot of people, I've been a pastor a long time. 
And guys, I'll tell you, you'll run into this through the years. There are some people, their attitude toward church is basically this. You tell me, preacher, what I have to do to get to heaven, and that's it. Or they're thinking, what can I get away with and still make it in? That's living in one mile. Why not live in the miracle mile? Why not say, I'm not going to do the least I can to get by. I'm going to do the most I can. I'm not going to live by law. I'm going to live by love. Because that's what Jesus was trying to teach that day. And I think he's what he's trying to say to all of us. He's definitely what he's saying to this church in the next three years. Are you willing to live above a minimum morality or a loveless legalism? Let me paint two pictures for you, and then I want you to see this video. This video, I promise you, is worth coming tonight. Imagine two scenes. This Jewish farmer, in Jesus' day, he's out working his field, and sure enough, he sees another Roman soldier coming by. And immediately, there's an emotional reaction he has. He, he immediately thinks, I know what's coming. This is the last thing I needed today. The Roman soldier comes by, hey, old man. Get over here. You know the law. Take this pack. I'm headed north. Farmer throws down his tools. He storms over. Again, his teeth are clenched. He's angry. And the whole time he's walking that mile, he's thinking to himself, one day things will be different. Messiah will come. And we will be the victors. He will be the conquered. And I mean, he, he's, he's, he's angry, he's livid, he can't believe it. He gets to one mile, he slams it down, and he points his finger at the Roman, and he says, one day things will be different. You're in charge today, but one day things will change. And he goes back to his work. The Roman soldier goes off. Picture scene number two. The Roman soldier comes down the way. The farmer doesn't throw down his tools, he lays down his tools, and before the soldier can say a word, farmer walks over and he says uh, sure looks heavy how about if I help soldier says yeah you know the law buddy let's go along the way the farmer strikes up a conversation so where are you headed oh yeah I've heard of that place tell me about your family <laughs> yeah I have two children too yeah it must be hot out here he gets to the one-mile marker, and the Roman soldier stops, thinking that, okay, now it's time for me to find some other patsy that'll carry my pack. The farmer says, you know, I'm not that tired, and it's not all that hot. You've been a long way, and you've got a long way to go. How about if I just keep going with you? The soldier's shocked. He can't believe it. Never happened to him before. But he knows a good thing when he sees it. And he says, sure, let's go. And along the way, that second mile, the farmer is able to engage him in conversation. The pack is a little lighter. The walk is a little sweeter. And finally, two or maybe even three miles up the road, finally the farmer says, well, I guess I've come about as far as I could come. And the Roman soldier says, wait, before you go, I've just got to ask you a question. This has never happened to me before. Why would you carry my pack this far when you don't have to? And you know what the farmer says? Because Jesus taught me that. The Roman soldier says, yeah, I think I've heard of this fanatic named Jesus. He taught you that? Tell me more. 
You don't think that that Roman soldier is interested in what that farmer has to say because of the second mile, the miracle mile, the smile mile? <laughs> you better believe he'll listen. And folks, they're still listening today to people who are willing to live the miracle mile. If you just do the minimum, if you just do what's required, if you just go to the classes they make you go to, if you just talk to the people that you like, the people who are friendly, the people who are easy, if you just give to people who give back, if you forgive people who just say, I'm sorry, and you're not willing to go that extra mile, you'll never experience the Christ life. You'll never experience all that God really intended. Now, you're going to meet some people tonight. Maybe they're people you know, and maybe they're people that you don't know, but I promise you, you are going to be inspired by these stories and if you're wondering what connections continued is all about watch this video it'll take a little while to get through it but you'll love it Well, guys, I just wanted to say, first off, thank you for being here, um, taking time out of your schedule to come and just talk. You guys have been pivotal parts of the growth that we've seen in the church for the last five years through whether that's giving of your money, uh, through tithing, or through giving of your services, just being available whenever we need help. Why exactly do you feel like you need to do that here at this church? Well, I think, first of all, it's our church. Um, we've been here since 2001 and our kids have been here so it's a big part of our lives and we want to give back to that we found that this church has helped us grow spiritually and actually in 2003 Wendy and I sat down and we decided to make changes in our lives and, and our first change was to tithe and we have found that well, when we tithe you sure can out give God and that's for sure and he has just blessed us and blessed our family uh, we have a wonderful family and uh, and I can go back and think really at the time and how we've grown spiritually and how we continue to, to grow spiritually and how quite honestly we it's, it's we gladly give the you know right to check now you said it's been great to see how this church has grown in your words what are some of the things that you've seen you know over the last couple of years that this church is doing in the ways that it's growing well uh, this part of the building right here that we're in is a large part. Um, used to be you only had that one little part area. Everybody was crowded in. You either had to go outside to talk to people or you just didn't. You know, you just left. But now that we have this area, we can mingle, talk. It's nice just to get together with people that you don't usually see. Absolutely. And you can sit here and, and have fellowship with one another. And, and before, you were just all bundled in such a small area and you wasn't able to do that. Now we're talking about this building. You guys were big parts in the first connection campaign to pay for this building. And you know, when we built this place, sometimes I think people walk in here and they just see 
walls. Uh, but we didn't just build walls. We built a place for people, like you said, to fellowship, uh, to grow in community. And so I guess my question is, what prompted you to give to the campaign and continue that giving? Because you guys, as I, I'm aware, you're continuing to give to our Connections Continued campaign. Well, when we sat and we had first talked about the, what we were going to give over and above our tithe, we, we come up and we yeah. said we could do this, and we made, it, we made a commitment for three years. We continued that commitment, and uh, actually I had sat down, Wendy and I had talked about this, and we talked about after our three-year commitment, well, should we maybe use that towards giving, adding to our tithe and continue on that? And I would actually had spoke with one of the church staff, and Wendy and I had talked about it, that um, we wanted to continue giving because we have just, I mean, our family has really benefited from it. I mean, our son was married was married here, and, you know, of course, Wendy could tell you more about it, but what, what was really nice was about uh, the bride. I think we were one of the first weddings here, and my daughter-in-law and her bridesmaids and the father all met over here in this area, and it's really nice, and it's just a nice place to get together where nobody can see them yet, but, you know, they're together and it's really nice. Well, it allows the father of the bride to be able Correct. to come right back there in that back room with, with his daughter. Mm -hmm. And you know, they, they thought about this and it's, you know, what a, what a nice thing. And, and, and there's been a lot of thought put into mm -hmm. this of families and, and, you know, what it means. And it's, it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience for us. And, and we've just continued uh, this is our what our fourth year now, given and and continued on and and you know I know one thing, Wendy and I are both very proud that we've been a small part in uh, in the growth of this yeah the building of this of this extension here and this of this room definitely now you guys you know you have a family and you have responsibility and jobs and things like that and so. When you give of your time and when you give to campaign, the campaign and tithing and things like that, it can be a big sacrifice. Um, so if there are people in the church who are questioning whether this is a thing that they should sacrifice their money for, what would you say to them? Definitely, yes. If you just come here and look at everybody in the mornings and after church, you can see it, you can feel it. So yeah. I mean, if, you, if they take the time to look and feel, they would definitely notice a difference. Not to mention, I think it goes back to, I believe you can't outgive God. And when you, when you give your tithe and offerings and you give it with the heart, the open heart, the blessings just come back. And I think, I feel like you've, the blessings are more than, than the sacrifice could ever be. Okay, I know when our community outreach that we could use some monies and funds to actually help this community more. I know right now, as a deacon in this church, that we're paying $6,000 a month for towards the mortgage of the church. And we could take that money, that's money, if we were able to pay this off, that's money that we could use in this community to get the Lord's word out and help grow this church and let people know that this is a giving church in a wonderful place that they could bring their families and grow with the Lord. Well, guys, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me today. Uh, I just wanted to say personally, thank you. Um, you know, it's funny because, you know, I've known 
your wife for quite some time now, a little bit longer than you, and uh, you've always been one to give your love, always, and make me feel loved. Uh, but you are a great example for me here in this church, um, and the way that you guys give is a good example for people my age and younger and even older um, to see the fruit of giving. And so just thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I know that that isn't really worth um, all the things that you do. Like, I can't say thank you enough. And so because I can't by myself, uh, I have a few friends here who would also like to say thank you to you guys tonight. So they're going to be coming. I think first up we've got Kevin and Amber. Yes. Hi guys. Hello, how are you? Good to see you. <laughs> Sorry to make you wait. Hi. So I know you guys know a little bit about us. Um, I've been coming here all my life, um, but as a couple, we've been coming together for about 12 years. Um, and the first half of those years, we really weren't that involved. Um, when we did come, kind of just left after church, you know, there wasn't anywhere to really go and meet people or socialize. So. Yeah, I mean, you, you remember just as well as us that when you came out of this, this sanctuary, it was a little box. And it was, there was, you were, we were packed in like sardines shoulder <laughs> to shoulder. And the last thing you wanted to do was to try and stop traffic to, to chit-chat with somebody. So we basically came to church when we did, and we left, and we weren't connected in, at all. And, you know, when these walls came down, both, you know, physically and, and sort of metaphorically, you know, it, that's when we started to connect. And that's where we were lacking in our walk, is we, you know, we weren't connected. So we were able to, all of a sudden, we have this, this space that you can sit and talk with somebody, meet new people, and, and, and get connected, friends make and friends, and find out that people are funny people, goofy people, people that have problems, the same kind of problems, people. regular yeah. people. Absolutely. People have problems just like us, both in normal life and in their Christian walk. And, and it took those kinds of connections that, for us to grow, grow in our faith. And the next thing we know, we're, we're you know, joining a Bible study. We're, we're volunteering our time to the children's ministry, to the youth, the marriage to marriage group, to mops, and a dozen other things. And, uh, you know, and you and I are serving as deacons together Amen. now. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing. And, but for us, the most important thing that we see is, is how it has changed our, our children and, and our family as a whole. And, and earlier this year, our, our son Riley gave his life to Christ. And I had a, the, the ability to baptize him. And ultimately, it comes down to us being connected. And, and, and because of this space, we were able to do that. So we're here to say thank you guys for sacrificing, for giving. Because ultimately, it's your sacrifice that has changed our lives. So we just... We just so thank you. <laughs> so I don't know if you know, but we are, we're not from northern Kentucky originally. We're from the western part of the state. So when we moved up here, we searched for about four years trying to find a home church. And uh, it was on our way to our oldest soccer game one Saturday that we saw Burlington Baptist. And we thought, well, let's give this a shot. So um, we started coming and really enjoying it. And... 
you know, it was like they said earlier, it's a, it was a one-way-in, one-way-out kind of system. There really wasn't anywhere to really socialize and to meet new people, and, you know, that was kind of what we were looking for. Um, so, you know, this, this space that has been created, um, it has really changed our life. Um, you know, we have become super involved in the church. There are some weeks that one of us is up here almost every single night doing something. And, um, you know, I think because of that, we've made so many friends. We've made so many great relationships. And because of that, this church feels like home to us now. And that was something that I didn't know that we might not ever find. Um, and I'm just glad that our three boys are going to have that. We were coming home from school yesterday, and Isaac was like, Mom, I hope God never tells us we have to leave here. Because... Aww. I mean, all his friends are here, you know, and, and we feel the same way that just this is our family just as much as our regular family. Um, and also just the building, the space that we have. Mops is one way that I got involved with this church because um, I was a new mom and they asked me, you know, to come to the meeting. And before we had to meet in the old fellowship hall in the dark dungeon and you couldn't even hardly see who you're talking to. And so now we have the beautiful space downstairs and we can meet and we have like 30 plus moms, you know, that come and we're almost at capacity in that room. So just having a new space that we can do things like that is amazing and we just thank you for your constant contribution to that. And when we first came here, really, until this space was built, the only people we were really connected to were the people in our Sunday school class. Right. Because those were the ones that we really had time and the ability to get to know. It, it was the space. It was come in to church, go out the door. This space, you know, it provides a glue to hold the church community together. So thank you. Okay, well three years ago I was going through a really difficult time and I was searching for a new church home. I tried to hold it together because that's what I was supposed to do. That's what God told me to do. My mom told me about Burlington Baptist's divorce care class and I was able to come and meet people who knew what I was going through. And I was able to uh, connect with the church a little bit. Started bringing my kids to church we would come to service, and at the time we didn't have the space, so we just would leave. We weren't really connecting with people. Um, after the space was built, we were able to stay after church and meet people and connect with people. The divorce care class was able to move to the new uh, conference room, mm -hmm. and we were able to have up-to-date technology, comfortable space to have good discussions. Um, I, I'm also part of a small group that uses the space for social events, so thank you. Um, we came from a very small church. We were very involved. Um, coming in here to these doors, uh, very overwhelming. We were nervous, scared. It was huge. Um, so we were nervous about meeting new people, being able to connect um, with all of the groups that they have here. We were involved in the marriage group, and we actually were able to meet here to have our class. It was uh, very intimidating coming into a church this size because we were big thing we we're talking about is how are we going to be able to connect because our last church everybody knew each other mm -hmm. and I said the size of this is just way too big we're not going to be able to make you know close connections and then through faithful giving that you guys have done and others like you uh, two of my three kids have gone and made the profession of faith and like Kevin I was able to baptize them and that was probably one of the happiest moments of my life and um, I want to thank you for that and also like Stacy said 
with the marriage class, sometimes when you serve and serve and serve, you, you kind of lose focus at home. But through the marriage class, we were able to tighten our bond. And it was, our marriage wasn't uh, in jeopardy of failing, but we were getting disconnected and this really tightened us up. Um, well, my name's AJ and my story is a little bit different than everyone else's. Um, I didn't grow up here. I haven't been coming here very long. Um, about a, actually about a year um, it's been since I've started coming to Burlington Baptist and I grew up in a church um, and it was like my whole world I was super involved in the youth group um, and then unfortunately that church split and it really broke my heart um, and I left the church and I left God and for about seven years um, I kind of just completely walked away from my relationship with Christ and it was during that really kind of pivotal point in my life too when just going to off to college and stuff and you know the time in my life where I really needed uh, to have a relationship with Christ I didn't have um, and so I during that time I looked around at different churches but just nothing felt right nothing felt comfortable and then um, came to Burlington Baptist I you know was invited by um, one of my old youth ministers and I just came in I knew this place was different the space um, made me feel comfortable made me feel welcomed and I think the beginning feelings is really what led into um, me wanting to be here. Um, and so I just want to say thank you for your giving. Um, this space, uh, you know, we have transitions on Wednesday nights, and being able to find that connection with people my own age is something that I've been longing for for so long. So it's just a really amazing thing. So I want to say thank you um, from the bottom of my heart for you know, your giving and faithfulness and um, just allowing us to have these awesome spaces here. So thank you very much. So guys, I know that that was probably a little overwhelming. Little. Kind of surprised you, yeah. Um, how do you want to respond to that? I mean, is there anything that you guys want to say? You know, this is just overwhelming. We, we love this church, and I can tell you that obviously, given to this church, you can see the difference that it's made in people's lives. We've heard that. It, and we started with how it made a difference in our life. But you know, you, we didn't realize it, the difference that it's making in other people's lives. And it just touches my heart. Praise God. And, and that's what we're here for. We're here to spread the word that Jesus Christ is our Savior. And this is where a church that you can be loved. And if, if you have, you're broken, you can come here and find love. Well, thank you guys for giving us the opportunity tonight to see that every dollar that you give, whether that's towards the campaign or tithing, is not just a dollar given, but it's a life changed. So from this church, thank you guys so much. So just to close and kind of wrap up on that video, um, I hope that you don't leave this place just thinking that we brought you here to ask for your money, um, because the message that Sherry, uh, Terry rather, shared tonight in that video is so much bigger than just money. Um, it's about really going all in for Jesus. And so tonight, I hope that you would realize that uh, we're not calling you to give us money, but rather we're calling you to be faithful. Um, just do whatever you feel like you're called to do that God is calling you to do in any area of your life, not just with your finances. Uh, he said something that I really, really loved. He said that first mile is of the law, but that second mile is of love. 
And when he said that this morning, I immediately thought about Jesus. And that first mile was the mile that Jesus carried his cross up to Calvary, where he bled and he died. But you see, Jesus knew that the glory wasn't in the first mile. The glory was three days later in the second mile, where he rose again, defeating death and sin. See, there's glory in the second mile. That's the place where lives are changed. That's the place where God can work. So as we leave this place, would you become people who can just give out unmerited favor recklessly? People who are unashamed of going all in for the gospel and not being afraid of completely giving up everything. One of my favorite quotes is, some people are so poor, all they have is money. Scripture tells us that our treasures aren't here on earth anyways. So would you start to understand that we need to give up of our things that will perish and die to sow into something that's eternal, something that's meaningful, and that's exactly what the Connections Continued Campaign is all about. Now I'm going to kind of take a um, staff privilege here and share something that's on my heart that's kind of not related to what we're talking about tonight. Um, For a long time, for the last couple months, every time I saw a diamond, it's been really, really difficult. Uh, For those of you guys that don't know, uh, I was engaged, and it didn't work out, and it was really, really difficult um, for me. And every every single time I would, you know, see somebody's hand with a diamond on it, or see it in the store, or see it on the commercial, it was like it was everywhere. Um, Where I had, like, looked for certain rings, it was popping up on my uh, Facebook page on the sidebar. It's kind of creepy how well Facebook knows you was difficult for me and I was trying to understand why I had to keep seeing this and this morning I think I got my answer Um, I was reading on my way back home because I was down in Lexington and I read in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 it said this it said you used to walk in darkness but not anymore you're a child of the light when you think about a diamond a diamond is beautiful because it reflects light You know, a diamond starts as a piece of coal, something that's nasty. You know, before they knew what it was, kids would just play with it or would just get thrown away, and now it's one of the most valuable resources in the world. You might be in the room tonight, and you might feel like that piece of coal. Ugly, broken, dirty, worthless. Or maybe you're in a place in your life where you're under a lot of pressure. You kind of feel like the entire world is just falling down on top of you. I've been there. (laughs) Would you realize that that's refinement? Would you realize that Christ is sculpting you into a child of the light? You know, and you think about a diamond, before it's cut, it only reflects in one direction. When the jeweler starts to make his cuts on that diamond, it gives it more ability to reflect and refract in different directions. Every single time that you're hurt, do I think that God makes that happen in your life? No. But I think he allows it because what he does is he uses it. So you go through a breakup, that's a cut on your diamond. You go through a really traumatic experience, another cut on your diamond. Your marriage hits a rocky spot, a cut on your diamond. And slowly but surely, in the hands of the master jeweler, your diamond becomes the most radiant, brilliant thing in the world. And you can shine your light in so many different directions and reach so many different people. 
So tonight, just take that with you, this image of the diamond. And realize our purpose is to be formed by a master jeweler who knows what he's doing. You know, so many times I question and I try to do things on my own and figure out life. But I don't know a thing about crafting diamonds. And honestly, I don't know a thing about life compared to a holy father who created everything. So could you leave this place trusting that he's forming you tonight, even if you're in a hard spot? Would you shine your light? Would you pray with me? Dear God, I just want to thank you for this time. Lord, right now I want to pray for this Connections Continued campaign that you would change our hearts, Lord. That we would stop being selfish. That we would take our eyes off of ourselves and onto other people in every area of our life. Would we realize that we're not just giving money to build a building, but we're giving money to sow into people who need Jesus. People who need to be loved. People who are broken, who feel worthless. Need to be healed. God, would you just remind us that you are the great physician, both physically and spiritually, that you can bind up all of our wounds. And God, in this place tonight, no matter how broken we might feel, would we come to a place of complete humility where we just say, God, I need you. Because at the end of the day, no matter what our plans are, no matter how much we think we're doing, we're nothing without you. Would you help us always remember your power and your goodness? Would you allow us to leave this place passionate about the way that you're forming us to be people who go two miles, people who go way farther than anyone ever expected, and because of that, we look different, and we can change lives for the kingdom. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen.